If you, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14. We've been talking about the even greater that God has for you, the even greater life. I, I was thinking the other day, in fact, we were sitting outside, Tara and I were sitting outside, and it was such a proud moment for me. I was sitting out there. We, my, my kids had talked me into getting a couple of cats about a year ago. I had told them we are never, ever, ever going to have a cat. They talked me, now we have two, they talked me into it. I'm slightly allergic to them. I, you know, I, I didn't really like them that much when we got them, but they've kind of grown on me, you know? And, and uh, about two weeks ago, one of our cats got its first squirrel. I was so proud. That was, <laughs> that was the only reason I agreed that we could have cats was because it would help keep the squirrels out of my fruit trees. I was so happy. My, my kids, not so much. They don't like the cats anymore because they kill everything. Every day there's a new mole in the garage that they've killed, the trophies. And I, but it was, I was so proud when they got that squirrel. And yesterday, Tara and I were sitting outside and we're, we're just relaxing. We're in the driveway watching the kids do circles on their bikes. And then one of the cats just ran across the driveway and it kind of jumped into some weeds over there and it came out with a squirrel in its mouth. I was so excited. My wife felt so bad. She, oh, the poor squirrel. No, not the poor squirrel. Those things need to die. And, and I was so excited until the stupid dog got, he, he, she thought she wanted to play with the squirrel too. And she ran over there and scared the cat and the, the cat let go of the squirrel. But I've gotten to where I appreciate my cats more than the dog. The dog does not pull its weight. I want to tell you that. I like, my, I like the cats now. They've grown on me. But, you know, it, it's funny because no one ever taught these cats how to hunt. We, we brought them home when they were little kittens. No one had to teach them how to hunt. They know how to do it instinctively, right? They're born with this sense of, I'm a cat. I kill things. I sneak up on things. I, I'm a destroyer. They think, they're, they think they're big. They think they're lions, but they're born with that. No one had to teach them. I'm going somewhere now. Listen, when you were born again, you got a new nature in you. You were born, the word of God says, you were born of God. And you've got God's nature inside you. You were given, in fact, the Holy Spirit to live in you. You've got something in you that makes you hungry for more, don't you? You got something in you that when you come into a worship service like this, somehow you just feel like you're connected to home. You feel like you're home because it feels like heaven. We're touching heaven when we come in here. Something inside you says, this is right. When you see something wrong in the world, what, what happens inside you? Something inside you says, I want to make this right. I, I want to fix this. It's that, it's that God DNA in you wanting to do something about it. Listen, you have to work very hard to suppress what God put in you. But there's Christians around the world today that are, that are suppressing what God has put in them. You've been given something Jesus said when you, when you believe in him, you'll do the same works he did. But even greater, 
See, listen, there's something in you that says, no, I've got something more in me. There's potential in me. There's something in me that wants to rise up. But that religious spirit wants to keep it all bottled up. Listen, it's time to start becoming who God's called us to be. It's time to start doing what God's called us to do. You're like, you're like a cat. Nobody's got to tell you how to do this thing. You've got something in you called the Holy Spirit. You've got something in you called the anointing. In fact, the Word of God says the anointing itself is going to teach you. You don't even need anybody to tell you what's, what you should be doing. It's inside you. Are you with me? And so this morning... I want to talk to you about this anointing because I believe, listen, I know I'm getting fired up and it's just early, okay? But the devil's worked hard to keep you believing a lie. The devil wants you to believe that you're powerless. The devil wants you to believe that this word right here is not really for you. Come on. The devil wants to do anything he can to stop you because he knows if you get a hold of this truth, it's going to mess him up. Come on, John 14, verse 12. Let's start there this morning. I assure you, and I said this a couple weeks ago, that's a powerful statement from Jesus. Jesus doesn't need to give any assurances, but he says it in the King James, verily, verily, truly, truly. I tell you, the one who believes in me will do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. We've been saying that everything that Jesus did, he did because he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, right? If you've missed some of this, you need to go back. You can go online and watch some of this, but I want you to get caught up here, okay? Everything that Jesus did, he did anointed by the Holy Spirit because he was, when he was baptized in the water, right, by John, the Holy Spirit came down on him. And from that moment on, Jesus began to function. He began to operate and do everything by the Holy Spirit. Listen, when he healed people, he healed them by the anointing that was on him by the Holy Spirit. When he drove out demons, he drove out demons by the anointing of the Holy Spirit that was on him. When he raised the dead, he raised the dead by the anointing of the Holy Spirit that was on him. Because if he did it as, hey, everybody, I am God in the flesh, which he was, but if that's the only reason he operated, if that's the only, only reason that he was able to do those things, he could not tell us, now you go do the same things. He did it by the anointing. In, first, in, in John chapter 1, Verse 40, it says this, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two people who heard John and followed Jesus. And when he first found his own brother, Simon, he told him, we found the Messiah, which means the anointed one. Jesus, the Messiah, or in, in Greek, the Jesus Christ, Christ and Messiah are the same thing. It is not his last name. Okay, they had no yellow pages back then. We're not gonna have yellow pages anymore soon. Do we still have those phone books? We used to do this thing with the Master's Commission where um, we had some little trick where we learned how to rip a phone book. It was a little trick to it, but we would, we would go uh, places and dazzle kids by ripping the Ashboro phone book. That was really an impressive feat. And um, it's actually hard to do though if you try it, but it's hard to find those things anymore. 
But Jesus Christ, Christ was not his last name. It was who he was. It was his identity. It was, it was Jesus, the anointed one. That was, that was who he was. He identified himself. You know, they ask you these questions. How do you identify? How, how, do, you, how do you identify yourself? When you go to the doctor's office, they want to know, are you a a man who, who identifies as a woman? Are you a woman who identifies as, how do you identify yourself? Jesus identified himself as the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, okay? In the Old Testament, they anointed kings and they anointed priests to function in those roles, right? So when they anointed someone, what they would do is they would take some oil and pour it on the person's head. We had our little anointing oil today. We don't do the anointing the same way they did it back then because you're not dressed for it. But they used to, back then, they used to come in. When David came in to be anointed as king, you remember the story, Samuel said to Jesse, he said, bring me your sons because God's, God's chosen one of them to be the king. So he brought his oldest son. And, he, and Samuel said, no, no, it's not that one. And the next one, it wasn't him, wasn't him, wasn't, wasn't the next one. Got down through all his kids. He said, don't you have any more kids? The guy forgot he had another one. He said, no, I think that's all. Oh, yeah, David. Forgot about him. So they went and got David. They took the oil and they poured it. Samuel did. He poured it right on top of David's head. It would have run down his head. It would have been all over his face. It would have been on his clothes. It would have been on his feet. It saturated him. Anybody could look at that boy and see he was anointed for a few days, maybe. I don't know how often he took a shower, but for a while you could tell he was anointed, but eventually the oil would have come off. You could look at him, you would not see the anointing, you'd see a little boy. But the anointing was still there. Despite what you could see, the anointing was on him. And he knew it was on him, even though they sent him back out to watch sheep, right? When the bear came and took one of his sheep, the anointing rose up within him. Because see, the anointing will do the work. And the anointing rose up within him. And the word of God says he went after the bear. And David says to, to King Saul, when, I, when a bear would take one of the sheep, I would go after it. And I'd grab it and I'd beat it. I don't and kill the bear. I, I'm a little scared of that. If a bear came after me, I'm not going to beat it in the face. But David did because the anointing, he had an anointing upon him. And then when a lion came, he did the same thing. He said, I would grab it by the beard and I would strike it. Punch a lion in the face. You got to be some kind of crazy. But the anointing was in him doing the work. So when the giant came against Israel, there was no difference. There was an anointing that rose up within him that said, no, no, this is not right. This is not right. I've got an anointing, and I'm going to use my anointing to fix this situation. And he went after the giant just like he went after the lion and just like he went after the bear. Because why? The anointing was on him. You couldn't see it, but it was on him. When Samson came up, Samson had an anointing upon him. You know he had an anointing because the Holy Spirit, it says, came on him and he took a donkey's jawbone 
and struck down a thousand Philistines. He killed them with a donkey jawbone. It was, there, there was an anointing upon him. Now they wanted to know the secret of his strength, didn't they? They, they sent Delilah, find out the secret because he did not look jacked. He did not look like the rock or like Arnold used to look. He didn't look like that. He just looked like an ordinary guy who had superhuman strength because there was an anointing on him and it was the anointing that did the work. You couldn't see it on him, but it was on him. I'm going somewhere, hang on. So Jesus, the Holy Spirit was on him, empowering him to do what God had called him to do. And Jesus, it says in Acts 10, 38, look at this, throw that up there. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Say anointed. See, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil because God was with him. So what happened? God anointed him. And he did everything he did was because of the anointing. You couldn't see the anointing on him. If, if you were back then walking around the streets 2,000 years ago in Israel and you, Jesus walked by you, there may not be anything on him that you would recognize. You wouldn't see the oil dripping off of him. You wouldn't see some kind of fire consuming him. He looked like a person, but he was consumed with the anointing. It was all over him and it was doing the work. Look at Luke chapter 4. Jesus stood up in the synagogue, right? You know the story. He stood up that day in the synagogue. He took out the scroll of Isaiah, and he found this place where it was written. He began to read, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me and he's anointed me. He was the anointed one. So the anointed one had an anointing. The anointing brought healing. It brought freedom. It brought sight. It was his anointing. It says in Acts 10, 28, what we just read, or 38, I forget the reference, that he, it was because of the anointing that it destroyed the yoke. It was because of the anointing that it destroyed the devil's work. You have the same anointing on your life because you have the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in you, listen, church, the Holy Spirit in you is longing to break out. He's longing to do the same works that he did with Jesus. He's longing to heal. When you pass by somebody that needs healing and something within you says, oh, man, I feel so sorry for them. Oh, I wish I could do something. You can do something. That's in you because the Holy Spirit's in you and he's wanting to get out. You got to let him out, church. Let him out. Jesus told us we'll do the works that he did, but even greater. I've been saying this. There are no limits. There are no limits to what he can do through you. You just got to stop looking at yourself. So listen, if we're supposed to do the same things Jesus did and greater, I want to look at some of the things Jesus did. We, last week, we looked at him turning water into wine, right? And we said the anointing 
It takes no work. There's no labor on your part. The anointing can override time, the time it took and the effort it took to make the wine. So today I want to look at John chapter 4 just for a few minutes. And John calls this the second sign that Jesus performed. In John 4, verse 46, it says, He went to Cana of Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. There was a certain royal official whose son was sick or was ill at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and pleaded with him to come down and heal his son, for he was about to die. And Jesus says this, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now, he was not speaking down against signs and wonders because he tells them later to believe the signs. The signs are a testimony of that he's telling the truth. So he's not talking down about signs and wonders. What he's talking about here is the fact that he was about to perform a miracle that none of them were going to be able to verify with their eyes. Because his son wasn't there. That, boy, that man's son wasn't there. So he was going to perform a miracle, and there's going to be some people there that would not believe because they would not see it. Listen, I've been telling you, you've got an anointing on you. You can't see it. I can't see the anointing on me. I can't see it on you, but it's there. And if we live by what we see, listen, we're staying in the realm of our senses. We're staying in the realm of our five senses, the physical realm. God does not move in your physical realm. He moves in the spirit. Come on. So what Jesus was telling them, some people might call it a coincidence. Oh, the, the man's boy got better. Oh, isn't that nice? It must be a coincidence. They were not going to be able to verify this necessarily. Some of them would never see or hear about the results. They would walk away and not believe in Jesus because they could not see it in front of their eyes because they were operating in the five senses. But the anointing operates on a different level. Come on. The anointing that you have inside you, it operates at a different level. Your faith and your anointing have nothing to do with your five senses. Let me say it again, because I want you to understand this. Your faith and your anointing have got nothing to do with what you can see, with what you can touch, with what you can taste or smell or all this in here. It's got everything to do with the spirit. It is spiritual. And as long as you keep living by what you can see, you can never step into your anointing because that functions on a different level. Does that make sense? You need to understand your anointing operates in the realm of the spirit. See, sometimes you see the answer. When you, when you pray for something, maybe you see the answer right away, right? We pray for somebody. I think a couple weeks ago, we, I had some people that had trouble with their backs come down. And somebody right away said, I'm healed. I'm he God touched them right away. Some others said, no, nah, I don't know. They went back. They, weren't, they didn't feel anything right away. Just because you don't feel it, does not mean God's not working. Sometimes we see things immediately. Sometimes we don't see it immediately, but it does not make a difference because God's not moving by what I can see. He's moving in the spirit where I can't see. And just because I don't see something does not mean nothing happened. Because if I say, oh, I guess that didn't work, 
Guess what? It didn't work. I just negated my faith. I put my faith at a level of what I can see. Whoa. If I, if I only live by, well, I guess, that, I guess this worked because I see it. I guess that didn't work because I don't see it. I'm putting my faith at just the level of what I can see. We, had a, we were in a, a Columbia, South America, several years ago with our team doing some ministry. And we, we were outside preaching in a big plaza area. Remember that? There was a big plaza. It was wide open. There was just people sitting all over the place. And uh, we were doing worship and we had some of the students shared some dramas and things, and we were preaching. And we asked people that needed prayer, just like we did this, this morning, kind of, to come to the front for prayer. And there was this woman that came down, and she had a little girl, I don't remember how old, maybe six or seven years old, five or six years old, and she came down, and her feet were all twisted. They were, they were kind of contorted like this, and she couldn't walk. It was a, you could see it was a big struggle, struggle for her to get down there. She came to one of the students, and she said, would you pray for my daughter? They, he prayed for the daughter, and immediately her feet turned, and she could walk. And she, not only that, and she began running all over the plaza. She was running, and the woman came up to the front with tears in her eyes. She said, we came because we heard some music. She wasn't a believer in Jesus, necessarily. She, came, she said, I came because I heard music, but now I know that God is real. Man, sometimes you see something like that and it just like blows your socks off and you're like, wow, I can't believe, that's so incredible. What if we had prayed for her and we didn't see it, but she went home and was healed? Now that mom would still say the same thing, now I know God's real. But if we put our faith at what I see, I'm, I'm keeping my faith at the, at the sight level. That's not what faith is. Faith is not what you can see. Faith is believing even when I don't see. And to be able to say to that mom, I believe God's touched your daughter. The mom may not believe that, but listen, that's okay. We, we can believe it for her. Amen. So it's amazing when you see something like that, but we don't live by what we see. I believe a miracle's happening even when I can't see it. Listen, I read this I find it so funny. There's a, you've heard of Aristotle. He lived in 300-ish BC, and he made a statement that people believed for thousands of years. He said that an object will fall faster if it's heavier. He said that things will fall depending on their weight. So if something's very heavy, it will fall faster than something that's light. And he made that statement, and people believed him for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and nobody bothered to test it because Aristotle said it. And he was, he was called one of the greatest thinkers of, of all time. No one questioned it until a man named Galileo said, wait a minute, I don't want to believe it just because Aristotle said it, I want to know, is it true? And he climbed up on top of the leaning tower of Pisa, and he called a bunch of scientists and people to stand and watch, and he pushed off a 10-pound weight and a one-pound weight at the same moment, and they both hit the ground at the same exact time. And do you know those scientists that stood there watching refused to believe what they could see because Aristotle said something different. 
Listen, that sounds incredible, but here's what I wanna say. I don't live by what I can see. I live by what the word of God says. So listen, I don't care if I see it or not. If God said it, it's true. I'll be like those scientists. No, no, I'm, I'm gonna believe what God said. You can tell me something different. You can say something different. You can show me something different. I believe the word of God despite what I see. That's faith. That might sound ignorant to you, but it's faith because God said it and it's true. I'm not gonna live by what I see. See, listen, the anointing's on you just like it was on Jesus, but if you're waiting to see it, you'll never step out in it. If you're waiting to see something, you're never gonna step out in it. Jesus was talking to that, to that group that was standing there watching, and he says, he says, unless you see, you're not gonna believe. Listen, if I'm waiting to see until I believe, if I'm waiting to see until I step out, that's not how it works. I've got it backwards. God moves when I step out. Things happen when I step out in faith. It doesn't happen because I sit back and say, well, maybe God will do it. God didn't part the Red Sea, right, until Moses lifted up his staff. God waits on us to act in faith. So the anointing's on you. In 1 John 2, 20, can you put that up? Or 18 through 20, John says, children, it's the last hour. And as you've heard, antichrist is coming. And even now, many antichrists have come. We know from this, it's the last hour. What's all this about the antichrist? Remember, Christ means the anointed one. The antichrist is against the anointing. The person, the one who's against the anointing is coming, he says. But you, in verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Whatever, whatever the enemy comes against you, listen, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. There's one who's against the anointing, but you've got the anointing, just like Jesus had. There's nothing the devil can do to stop you. So don't worry about the Antichrist. The anointing in you is stronger than whatever the enemy can throw at you. Amen. You still awake? But I don't feel anointed, Pastor. I'm just, I'm just struggling to make it. I don't care what you feel. Listen, whatever, whatever comes against you can't touch you because you've got something greater. Don't wait till you feel it. If I wait till I feel it, I'm never going to experience it because it's not accessed by my feelings. It's accessed by faith. Maybe you feel like Job today. Oh, I've just been, I've been through it, pastor. It's just, everything's come against me. Listen, maybe you had things to come against you and you can look at yourself and you don't feel anointed. I'll tell you what, sometimes when we're going through something, we're going through a struggle, we don't feel hardly saved, do we? We feel, I'm just struggling. I don't have an anointing. I don't have anything. I'm barely, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. No, stop it. I don't know why I sound like Bill Clinton when I do that. I don't, I don't know. You can look at yourself and say, how am I anointed? Listen to me, that's, that's where the devil wants you to get. He wants you to get hung up on what you feel and what you can see. Because if you stay hung up on what you feel and how you feel and all your whiny and you hang up on all this, all this stuff, what I can see, I'm never going to step out in faith. He wants you to feel defeated because then he knows he can keep you down. You might be in a place where you feel defeated. Stop feeling defeated and start getting into this word. Start encouraging yourself with this word. Stop looking at what you can see 
Come on, stop looking at what you can see and look at what God says. Verse 49. The official says to Jesus, Sir, come down before my boy dies. And Jesus says one word, go. Go. Your son will live. The man believed what Jesus said and departed. Now, that's, that's a bold statement, isn't it? Listen, it's easy to look at this situation and say, well, yeah, that's Jesus. Amen. I hear that, brother. It's easy to look at this situation and say, well, that's Jesus. And yeah, he can tell him go. But listen, Jesus had to operate in faith just like you do. Jesus had to operate with the same kind of faith that you have. In fact, the word of God says we've all been given the measure of faith. So Jesus had faith in him. That's how he could speak. He wasn't speaking by what he could see. That's, listen, this is, this is serious now because I'm talking about you because Jesus said you'll do the same stuff I did. So how did Jesus speak? He spoke by faith. How did he know anything was going to happen? Because he knew what faith could do. He was releasing faith. When he said to that man, you can go, you got it. He was releasing his faith to do the work. He put the anointing to work. And listen to this. That man had to take it by faith, didn't he? He had to take it by faith. His boy was two days walk away. And for two days, he had to make the walk back to where he came from to check on his boy, to check on the word. And don't you think the devil was talking to him the whole way? Doesn't the devil do that to you? You come in here and you hear something like this and you say, yes, that's right. I'm putting that to work in my life. I'm going to believe that. And you go home and, oh, the devil just starts whispering to you. You, don't, you can't really believe that. Oh, it's not going to work for you. I bet your boy died. He's already dead. You're going to get home and get the message. He's already passed away. You never even got to say goodbye. You're a terrible father. How dare you not be there for you? This kind of stuff goes through your head. It's from the devil. What are you going to believe? Listen, you got to keep believing even when you can't see. That's what faith is. So the man's walking home. He keeps hearing all, these, all this kind of stuff, but he had to take it by faith. You have the same faith in you. You might be feeling bad today. You might be facing something impossible today. You might have a situation you've been going through. It seems impossible. Listen, maybe, maybe it's something as bad as this man was facing. Maybe there's some kind, of, some kind of tragedy that you could be facing in your life. But listen, if you'll take this word, this word of God will do the same thing for you that it did for that man. You declare the word of God over your life. You speak the word only. Forget about the lying symptoms. Forget about the, what the devil says. Don't worry about what things look like because you, you can have it now. Faith and the anointing are greater than what you can see because they affect the unseen. So Jesus told the man, go, where he was, again, two, mile, two, days, two days walk from this other man. He released his faith, and it moved miles away. It did something. Because when that man got home, he got, in fact, he just got close to home, and people came out running to meet him. Hey, your boy's better. Hey, your boy's healed. He got the answer, even though it, the, the response was given miles and miles away, listen, here's what I'm getting at. Your faith, your, the anointing God's put in you knows no distance. There is no distance in faith. 
You can release faith here for somebody in Africa. You can release faith here for somebody over in the other side of the country, and God can touch them right where they are. There is no distance with your faith. And listen, there is no distance. I think this is the greatest thing. There is no distance. If there's no distance in faith, there is no distance between you and God. I, got, I want you to catch this. There is no distance in the spirit. There is no distance between you and God. The Bible says you are in Christ. You cannot get any closer than in. You're in Christ. You know, we talk about Jesus being in me. And that's, and that's true too. But I like that it says I'm in Christ because he's bigger than me. He's not gonna fit in here. I'm in him. Wow, isn't that awesome? You, there is no distance. It does not matter how I feel because that's not based on my feelings. I don't feel like, I don't feel like Jesus is, it doesn't matter how you feel. If you believe this word, if you've received him into your heart, it does not matter how you feel. He's there. Whatever you ask for, he says you can have. Whatever you ask, he'll do. Amen. Listen, if you're away from him today, maybe you're, you're, you know your life isn't right with God. You came into this place or you're watching online this morning and you know you're not in him. You can be as close to him today as the rest of us are. You might be like that prodigal son. Remember the story of the prodigal son. He took his father's inheritance. He took the money that was coming to him as an inheritance and he went off and he began to squander it. He began to visit prostitutes and do all kinds of crazy things, buying drugs, buying alcohol. They didn't have drugs back then, but if they did, he would have done it. Whatever it was, he would have done it. He did it. And then he was, he was so low down, he had nothing left. And they, they, he found a job feeding pigs, feeding the hogs. And he was so hungry. And he said, I just want to eat what the hogs are eating, but nobody would let him. He said, this is no way to live. He said, my father has servants that live better than this. But he made this statement. He said, I'm not worthy to be called a son anymore. But if I go home, maybe my father would let me be a servant. And at least I'd have some, some food. And so he's walking home feeling unworthy. Maybe you're there today. Something in you says, I'm not worthy. I feel unworthy to be. Maybe you didn't even feel worthy enough to come to church just watching at home online because you don't feel worthy to come in the room. Listen, I want you to know something. When that son just even got a little ways off, the father was standing there watching for him. He was standing there probably every day watching for his son to come home. And when he saw him, he grabbed the robe and he grabbed a ring and he ran to meet his son. He wrapped his arms around him. He put the robe on him. He put a ring on him. And he said, kill the fattened calf. We're gonna have a party for my son who was dead. Now he's alive. My son was lost and now he's found. Maybe that's you today. You say, I, I'm away from God. Listen, I want you right now, right where you are, just bow your heads and close your eyes for a second because I want to pray for you. Maybe that's you today. You say, I'm away from God. Listen, all you have to do, all you have to do is come to him and he's going to come meet you halfway. He's going to come meet you right where you are. All you have to do is call out to him today. If you need to do that, 
If you need to make your life right with him, you can do that today. I want you just right where you are. Even if you're watching at home, I want you to raise your hand to Jesus so he can see you. That's your act of saying, Lord, I'm running to you. I'm running to where you are. I want to meet you today. Just raise your hand right where you are and say this prayer with me. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. I know I don't feel worthy, but you've made me worthy because of what you've done for me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Amen. For the rest of us, why don't we stand up this morning? And just bow your heads again for a moment, because I want to say this to you. The heart of this message this morning was that you are anointed. You have an anointing on your life. You may not feel anointed. You may not look at yourself and see an anointing, but listen to me, church, Jesus said, you'll do the same works that I do, but even greater. He's got greater in store for you. This is not, listen, this is not just for some pastor or some evangelist somewhere or, or an elite group of people. This is for everyone who believes Jesus says, we'll do the same things I do. You have the same faith. You have the same anointing. You have the same Holy Spirit living in you. Listen, that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power in you. And I, wanted, I want you to catch something today. God has plans for you. And sometimes we're not living up to his plans because we've, we've got ourselves living under when we're supposed to be living over. We've got ourselves mentally thinking, I'm not able because the devil's got you convinced you can't do it. Listen, who says you can't do it? Not God. Who says you can't pray for that person and see them be healed? Who says you can't? You can't preach somewhere who says you can't you've got the same anointing all you have to do is step out in faith today let me pray for you right where you are if you would just raise your hands with me lord god i thank you this morning it doesn't matter how we feel it doesn't matter how things look we have an anointing upon us. Lord, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Lord, I know there's some today, they might be facing some situations, they might be facing some, some problems or some, some things that have them uneasy, but Lord, I thank you that your word says that we are able to do what you've called us to do. Lord, your word is what gives us the strength. Lord, your Holy Spirit in us is greater than whatever we're facing. And today, Lord God, we just thank you that you have already met our needs, that you have already brought healing. Lord, we thank you. We receive what you've done for us. And Lord, I thank you that we will step out and be the people that you're calling us to be. Lord, I thank you today. I thank you for this week. If you'll receive this with me, I want you to pray this with me. Lord, this week, I want you to show me people I can minister to. Lord, I want you to bring me to people and bring people to me that I can minister to, that I can pray for, that I can touch because I want to do what you did. Maybe it's just sitting down and talking to somebody like you talked to that woman at the well. Maybe it's speaking faith into somebody. Maybe it's speaking a miracle over somebody, but whatever it is, Lord, I want to do what you've called me to do. And so, Lord, I thank you for blessing your people today in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen.